0: Yesterday was uh, a big day in Parliament. The government saw their first ever Indigenous Governor General open up Parliament with a speech from the throne. Here is a little bit of our Governor General Mary Simon's first throne speech. I'd like to acknowledge that we are gathered on the unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. This land acknowledgement is not a symbolic declaration. It is our true history. In each of your own writings, I encourage you to seek out the truth and to learn about the the lived realities in First Nations, Inuit, and Métis communities. Although each community is distinct, we all share a desire to chart a way forward together towards reconciliation. That is Mary Simon, the Governor General of Canada in her first ever throne speech uh, with a land acknowledgement off the top, which I think is is very fitting, especially uh, with what Canada has been going through uh, this past year. It's been a dismal one. And also... Uh, with the promises that the Trudeau government has made. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Lori Turnbull, Associate Professor of Political Science and Director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University to talk about the throne speech and a couple of other things going on on the Hill. Welcome to the show, Lori. It's great to have you on.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me.
0: So yesterday, the throne speech, you know, I was kind of going through it and it looked as though not a lot of new information was put out there. I mean, they're going to fight to control the pandemic. Okay, that's a no brainer. Climate change is a big topic when you look out to B.C. And even uh, more recently, uh, just the last day in uh, in the East Coast, uh, that obviously is a big topic. And rebuilding the economy was also in the throne speech. What stood out to you is, is something that we didn't already know.
1: I agree with you. Um, A lot of it was really stuff that we had heard before. And this is a continuation of a government, right? Like they're having this throne speech because it's a new, a new parliament. Um, We went to election in the summer, nothing really changed in terms of, um, you know, the, the composition of the house of commons in the sense of that the parties have relatively the same numbers. Some, some seats have changed, but for the most part, the parties kind of look the same. And so this government is really, I think continuing with an agenda that it started a long time ago, to be honest with you, I don't think we heard, heard a lot new yesterday at all. I mean, there were some, some points that that I think they're going to work on in the coming weeks and months because we're moving into a different phase of COVID and because they want to pick up other parts of their agenda in terms of childcare and stuff like that. But for the most part, these are messages we've heard from Trudeau for a while now.
0: Right. Um, Childcare is going to be very big on the agenda today. Apparently, uh, the province is going to be speaking with the feds about uh, this $10 uh, a day child care. Uh, I think we're going to find a resolution will be will be um, met w- with regard to the child care because, you know, Doug Ford has a uh, an election coming up. So it would suit him.
1: Oh, 100 percent. It would be a disaster for him to somehow leave this on the table. And he'd be I think that Ontario is the last province. And so even Alberta has been able to find a way forward here. I think the key issue is really around the conditions that the federal government is putting on the money. So they've got these three. And Alberta's perspective was like, we want the same deal that Quebec has. And (laughs) the Prime Minister says, well, you have the same deal as Quebec. They meet these criteria. Every province can sort of negotiate its own deal. But essentially, those three criteria have to be met for the money to flow. So I think you're right. I think Ford will find his way to this so that he can put this in the window during the campaign next year.
0: I know that we've got to focus on controlling the pandemic, but it wasn't just about g- getting past the pandemic. Uh, in the throne speech, there were uh, they 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 concentrated on building back and building back better. What stood out to you in the throne speech about that?
1: So I think a lot of this is at this point like not actions that they've taken, but it remains to be seen. Like how they talked a bit about equity and anti racism and our core institutions, and including uh, the criminal justice system, including policing. And so are we going to see measures that would really affect how those organizations operate? And at the same time, um, you know, this kind of shifting gears a bit, but the prime minister did make some changes to his cabinet after the the election, as we've seen. And Anita Anand is now the defense minister. And that's going to be a serious shift in terms of how um, investigations operate in that organization. And so potentially we are on the cusp of some meaningful change here. Which, I mean, as we know, like change is hard in organizations and it doesn't happen overnight. And there's a whole value system that has to shift. But I think, you know, potentially we could see some some interesting things happening here.
0: You know, you, you, speaking of change is hard. It, it struck me watching um, some of the uh, parliament uh, events going on and the, the ceremony going on on uh, during the uh, vote for the Speaker of the House. And then yesterday that it looks kind of goofy. When you stand back, I know that people, I know it's tradition, the tricorn hat and the usher of the black rod, but you know, shouldn't we be evolving? Shouldn't there be a nod to this? Why are we still holding on to this? Because I think a lot of people, it loses people. A lot of people already are disinterested when it comes to politics. And then they, you know, it's, it, it, there's a big deal made out of the ceremonies that occur within the house. And then you watch them and you think,
1: doesn't that person feel a little
0: bit ridiculous in that getup?
1: <laughs> that's amazing um it's funny like it like i'm one of these people that like completely nerds out on parliamentary <laughs> tradition and i think sometimes like it's it's kind of neat like you can see like there if i can say one thing positive about it the ceremony has a way of of kind of bringing civility to a situation that can get really partisan and nasty and bitter and out of control there's something about those procedures that sort of keep everything orderly, at least for a time, and can hopefully remind parliamentarians, listen, you're here for a greater purpose. It's not just you. It's not just the parties. It's not just who wins. There is an institution. There's a set of rules that we use to try to govern ourselves with civility. I think that's important. Now, the flip side of it is, of course, you're right, right? Like, you're looking at these guys and what is the black rod? Like, what is this? And it's just Mm -hmm. weird, right? And, And when you see, like, yesterday, because, um, the Senate is moved because it's being renovated, like all of Parliament Hill is being renovated. Now the Black Rod actually has to knock on the door in the Senate and then get in a car and drive to the House, knock on that door, drive back, all the while the Governor General is waiting. And so it's it's strange in some ways that we sort of keep these traditions so alive to the point that it's almost nonsensical. But the only thing I can come back to is, is yeah, like these, these are the rules that we all agree to. And at some point we can come back to a sort of neutral, civil we go through these procedures no matter what.
0: But I mean, it it doesn't carry over to the, you know, the, as you say, the way uh, politicians act within those chambers on a daily basis, sort of like reenact, you know, when you go to see those reenactments, the people that get really into it and those old, uh, you know, reenactment of the (laughs) civil war. And then on the way home, you know that they are like in their little britches driving through the McDonald's Mm drive-through.
1: It's true. It's a really good question, you know, like, because I think to go back to something you said earlier, like, it can turn people off. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it like the the number of people who really understand, you know, the nuts and bolts and mechanics of all these processes, right? Like, and really know them well enough to know if something was to go wrong kind of thing. That's a very small number of people and it gets smaller every year. And so sometimes I find, and I, and this really, like I try never to make this, make this feeling happen in my classes. And I hope I don't, but like, sometimes it makes the conversation about parliament feel very exclusive. And like, you can't weigh in on the conversation if you don't know all these little nuts and bolts about who's supposed to walk where and what the process is. And I think that's awful, right? Like that is a terrible result. And sometimes even you see it on Twitter when the people who really know stuff about parliament start to correct the people who don't. And like, no, it's not a session, it's this. And I'm like, no, stop it, right? Like, don't don't make people feel stupid because they're trying to get engaged. It's not worth it. Like, it's okay to make mistakes about process. It's cool. (laughs) No, no, no No one's gonna die over that.
0: And I don't think I missed the class in, in grade school where they teach you about what's going on because they just don't. So how are you supposed to know unless you really nerd out, as you say, and you investigate for yourself? And when you have all these roadblocks put up by people that feel they're more intelligent, although they didn't make the rules. So they learned it somewhere in the first place. It's just, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's rude. It verges on, on rudeness. So I appreciate you saying that. Can we turn our attention to the conservatives? They are formally objecting to this COVID-19 vaccination rule on the, on Parliament Hill. Yeah. I had Erin O'Toole on the show on Monday and he just held firm to we don't want a hybrid model I have a clip of it but I don't even know if we need to get to it um he's saying we well, you a know, safety protocol is fine and we'll just follow that um are they just being big babies here
1: <laughs> uh so I in some ways I think they're being big babies in some ways I think they're just completely tone deaf like if we're in you know we've got a few weeks on Parliament Hill right now to get through some pretty key pieces of legislation, and if the conservatives really want to drill down on whether or not the Board of Eternal Economy was the right operation, the right body to make this decision, I just feel like, you know what? No one cares anymore. (laughs) Like, the issue is get your vaccine, get your double vaccine, or have an exemption and move on. And like- Or stay at home
0: and and participate in a hybrid model, but they've got their feet dug in about that.
1: Yeah, and I just like, who are you trying to impress with this, right? Like, I just find- If everybody else is talking about the key issues and they're going on about procedure, and I I just don't think they're going to generate any any kind of support around that. Like, I I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why this makes strategic sense to them.
0: Have a great day, Lori. Thank you so much. You
1: too. You too. Take care.
0: Cheers. Dr. Dr. Lori Turnbull is associate professor of political science and the director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University.